Thanks, Dinosaur. Hello and welcome to Be Positive, the podcast where we treat B movies as though they were works of art. Which I guess they sometimes are. Mm. My name's Louis. My name's Fraser, and today... You guys have got this down. I know. We, <laughs> we've done a Thank lot you. of preparing. We've got this all scripted out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I've got a book in front of me. It's crazy. This is a little peek behind the curtain. All of this, it sounded very spontaneous, but it's all... Scripted. Mm, carefully rehearsed. Mm. Today, we have a special guest with us, Daniel Buckland. That's me. Hi. Big ups. Big ups. That is the first time anyone has ever made that sound in relation to my name. <laughs> so today... We are reviewing Lair of the White Worm, Ken Russell's... Masterpiece. Masterpiece. I mean, I, I guess that's a pretty contentious statement to make. Ken Russell, of course, more widely known for The Devils. Yes. And Altered States. Altered States, sure. Yeah. yeah. This movie doesn't really come up that much when people discuss Russell's filmography. Mm-hmm. It's one of the rarer B-films, actually. And I suppose that would be my argument as to why it is, in a way, his masterpiece. Because it's uh, it's Ken at his rawest, at his most wildest. Mm-hmm. He's the, the chains have come off, and he's flapping about <laughs> the, the film genre with not a lot of uh, like accuracy and direction. But with a lot of passion and a lot of drive yeah. and a hell of a lot of dildos, there's <laughs> like a, a surprising amount of of terrifying strap-on dildos in this film, which immediately piqued my interest. You know, of course. I yeah. mean, who wouldn't? I mean, that's, that's would, how you get the punters. Exactly, dildos on screen, bums on seats. That's what <laughs> that Scorsese's famous say. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't uh, that Shakespeare though? It I might, think it might be. Yeah, uh, Billy Bob um, Shakespeare. Billy. <laughs> okay, so let's do a quick just a plot synopsis. I mean, yeah, yeah. All right, so we start off with uh, Angus Flint, Scottish archaeologist. We well, he's a student. Right, he's yeah. a student. Also, he's, he's played by the very capable Peter Capaldi. One of my faves, who would later go on to do In the Thick of It, and I think it's actually Doctor Who right now. Really? Oh, of course. Yeah. Get away, I yeah. did not know that. Oh, sure, shit. She has come a long way. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Is, okay. this, hmm? is this Doctor Who? This sure. might be an episode of Doctor Who. This is, yeah, this is the X-rated Doctor Who <laughs> yeah. that we've all been craving. Hmm. Very X-rated. Yeah, there are definitely parallels there. So he is living at a bed and breakfast in in the Derbyshire, Derbyshire. Who knows? It's probably pronounced like Derbyshire. Dibshire. Dibshire. It's like technical pronunciation. Okay, so he's living at a bed and breakfast in Derbyshire with Mary and Eve. Um, They're running the place. He is excavating their garden and comes across a big-ass skull. Mm. Uh, At first, he's like, oh, there's a dinosaur, but I have news for him. It's a worm. It's It's definitely a a snake skull. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Apparent to everyone in the world except for the people in the film. (laughs) It takes them a long time to figure out that that is a snake's skull. Um, And I think it's Mary who says... It's, it's my dad had a cow just like that. Yeah. And then Eve says, don't, don't be dove. It can't be a cow. It ain't got no arms. <laughs> what? It, it's, That's it's got no horns. <laughs> I think is what she says. Ah, an old bit of an accent she, issue. She there. does say, silly moo. Silly moo. That's not a cow. It's got no horns. And the woman <laughs> responds, she gasps and goes, Miss Spotted Dick! And charges off. Uh, I mean, uh, and I think that moment kind of tricks the audience into going, okay, this is kind of weirdly alienating musical delivery. I mean, it seems yeah. like there are punchlines worked into the, the, the dialogue, but it's, uh, the actors speak the lines almost as if it's stream of consciousness with no. absolutely no attention to rhythm or delivery or emphasis. <laughs> they're just going, I want to thing and I pick up the thing and I put a rocket on it. And it, it just, it comes out in this torrent of, of words, which uh, which kind of is, is quite compelling to listen to because it, it, it like deconstructs the meaning of what they're saying. So it just becomes this like barrage of like words. It's it's kind of crazy. Yeah. And ending off with Miss Spotted Dick. 
Trump does not want to hear <laughs> a young British maiden scream, Miss Potter Dick, and yeah. charge off into the house. And that, that sort of delivery immediately puts you on the back foot in this film in terms of how you're approaching it. Because mm. it's clear that you can't take this on as sort of a realistic or naturalistic film. Totally. You're already sort of in this Ken Russell's world. And also that they're planting ideas about uh, penis envy, Freudian yes. ideas, like the woman saying, me spotted dick. You you don't think so at the beginning of the movie, but there's a, a likelihood that she might actually have a spotted dick on, on her at some point. The, the movie takes you to some strange places. It's definitely a journey that you're going on with Ken Russell's mind. Yeah. Shattered psyche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that was a after, uh, after they unearth the skull, they go to Lord James Dampton's party in honor of his ancestors slaying of the Dampton worm. John Dampton slaying yeah. the Dampton worm. And they eat earthworms? Yeah. That's the real weird. The local delicacy. It's like mm. pickled earthworms. Mm. Yeah. Super so, gross. So here Angus learns that the Dampton worm is a part of this specific area's mythology. Mm-hmm. And that's a, a celebration each year that the Damptons host for the, for the people. For the peasants. For the peasants. This movie, I felt, was very pro-aristocracy. Yeah. Strangely. Yeah. Like, I mean, originally well, the town was saved by John Danton, the lord. Yeah. Now the, the town is saved by Peter Capaldi, but the lord... So James Danton gets all the credit. Gets all the credit because, yeah. as we'll find out, but that might be a bit of a criticism as well. Maybe the yeah. hardworking Scots yeah. under the yoke of the British aristocracy. <laughs> Sing it, vote yes, Skegsit. And <laughs> I also want to b- make a point there about the, the kind of structure of the movie is that yes. we usually uh, in a traditional kind of hero's journey we we start off with opening image to set the kind of mood and then we go into ordinary world and then we go to establish who the characters are what's the what's the kind of genre what's the kind of world of these of the, the natural world of these characters and then we go inciting incident not a buck for Ken Russell, <laughs> who starts the movie off with the inciting incident. He's like, I don't I don't need to bring you guys up to speed. Just look, there's a giant snake skull and let's go from there. And then he he starts fleshing it out a little bit, yeah. gives us some exposition. But right from the start, he's like, come, catch up. We're doing giant snake <laughs> <hair."> <laughs> And that's, that's kind of cool. I like that. It's like he's galloping and you've yeah. got to catch up. Yeah. Him. One just has to assume that Angus, being an archaeology student, comes from a university where he had a wizened old professor mm. as this mentor character after he had discovered that he wanted to like excavate in, in uh, Derbyshire. I keep wanting to call the place Danton because Danton's just slapped all over the place. Totally. I think you should. Danton from now on. Totally. There we go. They walk back home after the party and they're a little bit drunk and there's a little bit of sexual tension between them. But she's also still suffering from post-traumatic disorder after her parents mysteriously disappeared. And that for me wasn't uh, clear whether it was 20 years ago, whether it was yesterday. So I I was a little bit confused. But but they share like a secretive kiss and then suddenly there's like a a car drives past. But the very appropriately named... um, uh, cinematographer Dick Bush <laughs> he sounds like he could have done some work in the yeah yeah it sounds like he could have done some work in the porn industry body work yeah totally could have done some body work yeah. uh, d- does these like really dramatic like swing pans basically like sh- shooting the camera dramatically and focusing on something new but uh, most often it's like a puck plant or a car or something yeah. and there's like organs thrash and <laughs> synths bleat and it's like super high melodrama yeah. but the, the the kind of content does not support yeah. that and uh, Mary is having a little bit of a kind of conniption fit about the fact that there was a car driving by <laughs> freaked her brain out I mean in her defense she was she just recently has lost both of her parents and also was walking through the spot where her parents were taken it's true it's true I'm sensitive <laughs> yeah. and yeah so they get a little bit spooked and uh, and I suppose if we're being generous that's really the, the inciting incident where we mm. where we, we we've got the first little hint of the existence of the, what's her name Lady Sylvia Lady mm. Sylvia Marsh that's yes. it I just called her snake lady snake lady yeah. yeah I called her mystique Mystique because of the blue. Exactly like Mystique. She does. She also, Uh, Amanda Donahue, 
does an amazing job as Lady of Sylvia Marsh. So, yeah. so also, such a like, nuanced. Yeah, it's such a strange approach to the acting and the lines. Like, mm. when she's lying to other characters, she's clearly not covering it up. She's just sort of relying on her pure energy and sexual charm to... Totally. To and no one ever questions her. No, I certainly didn't. No, I mean... You uh, wouldn't. I, no. I started questioning she her like as she put on the strap on phallus. <laughs> That's when I was going like... That is the last, last two um, minutes of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I was on her side. I was firmly on her side yeah. throughout That's the whole thing. That's when I came over to her side when she put the strap on phallus. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm in. This girl is <laughs> a party. Yeah. So that essentially, that sets up the main antagonism of the film. It's our heroes, Angus James. James. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you, <laughs> how you pronounce it. James, uh, John. James, Eve, and Mary uh, facing off against Lady Sylvia, who's an, uh, like a local eccentric aristocrat lady. Hmm. Um, but she turns out... Who hibernates through the, the winter. Yeah, literally. Hmm. Because yep. she turns out to be the priestess of the snake cult that of used to Dionin survive there. Um, in Roman times. Yeah. And it's basically a kind of a game of cat and mouse. Uh, so the inciting incident is really when we meet this crazy lady. And, and then we go on a process of seeing her basically nibble off the penis of, <laughs> of a That's not a nibble. In that, a jacuzzi. Is, that is very aggressive. Bite. No, no. There's definitely a, a bite of um, of his man meat, and then drowns him. And then uh, the the other group of the, our, our heroes and our protagonists uh, slowly become aware of them yeah. of her and try and suss her out. And she seduces the one. And it's a little bit of a cake. Ca- yeah. And she's especially after Eve, right? Yep. As to to sacrifice to yep. Dionin. And what I actually found interesting about that is that in actual magic, in esoterica, right? Yeah. The metaphorical meaning of things and symbolism is very important. So to her as this pagan priestess, it could be very important to sacrifice this Eve because of her connection to the biblical Eve, to her serpent god, because of the temptation of Adam and Eve. I'm glad there's no Adam in this form. Yeah. Angus and Eve. Angus. <laughs> but Angus <laughs> is with Mary. That's true. Yeah, and uh, James Dampton is with Eve. Sort of. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I would... Uh, He's a bit of a scoundrel, that one. He is, he is. Uh, Ken casts his, his uh, symbology <laughs> net wide. Yes. And he catches a lot of stuff in there. But that's quite kind of what I like about it, is that it, I think you'd be mistaken in trying to track one logical arc throughout this symbology that yes. it, it is like a, a like a clusterfuck like someone ate a whole bunch of cr- yeah. like tore up a bible and a whole bunch of scope magazines <laughs> and a whole bunch of like horror movie magazines ate all of it cotched it back up that's the movie it's like really <laughs> yeah. it's really interesting to see so it's a, it's a kind of a, a cat and mouse game between them until they, she's slowly whittling away and capturing individuals, and she seduces the uh, policeman, and then the poor, the poor scout, the poor boy scout, and uh, tries to seduce uh, James. Is it Lord James? Com- yeah. yeah, Dampton, yeah. not Compton. Straight out of Dampton, and then they kind of come to a head where they they search for, they go excavate in the excavate in the the tunnels and and find evidence and have erotic dreams, which we'll get to later. Very into. intense, very aggressive. Erotic Probably one of the highlights of the movie for me. Uh, I mean, highlight is a is a very misleading way of putting it. All at once, a highlight and a, like a rock bottom low light at once. <laughs> yeah. like stuff that I did not to see in my need to see in my brain. Saved only like the most vile yeah. and grotesque, <laughs> like terrifyingly problematic stuff that's saved only by the fact that I did so badly <laughs> yeah. so abysmally done so that it's it's both horrifying and extraordinarily funny at the same time yeah come on down to big L's we got dildos we got strap-ons phalluses sex dolls phalluses dildos French ticklers, French ticklers. dildos a pile of phalluses come on down to big L's we're a sex shop now 
So there's game cat and mouse, and then they eventually take her on and realize that music can kind of charm her, right? Like, know. like a snake, like a yeah, snake charm, because she is, which is consistent, a um, vampire, but she's a snake. Yeah, yeah, snampire, a serp, a vape, serp <laughs> a vape. She's a vape, <laughs> a vampire, a vampire. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go with Snavaki. <laughs> I think Jeez. that'll do. And Ooh. so they, they... Oh, right. So they, they realize that they can charm her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so then James Danton pulls out his favorite... Turkish LP. snake charming music. <laughs> yeah. The speakers he, he has conveniently strapped to his roof. Charms some snakes. And well, those parts are really hilariously poorly done. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell the actress was like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> yeah. It's like these, the snake walk. Yeah, yeah. Pretty like watchably abysmal you can't yeah. tear your eyes away it's from the screen incredible. because it's so bad it's incredible I like the scene where Lady Sylvia comes out of the basket as the music yeah. starts playing yeah, yeah. like a snake and she's like winding in the air and stuff Is she, does hilarious. she sleep in the basket snakes sleep in baskets Dude, that's like right from habitat. the dawn of time they weave I, baskets for each other <laughs> and slept in them I'm a snake biologist yeah, by yeah. trade that's and I can guarantee true. you that all snakes weave little baskets so is it tongue okay. And it's actually very intricate weaving that they do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. fascinating. Where do you think baskets come from? I've, yeah. I've never thought of Stolen it. Stolen from snake nests. So, so yeah, I, and I just want to also point out that that's kind of quite traditional storytelling, like save the cat st- story structure, that that Q factor, this uh, what they call the Q factor is in James Bond. Oh, um, yes. Uh, gets Q, gives him a little watch that shoots out the... that saves him while he's being hung over the pit yeah. of crocodiles. Mm-hmm. This is exactly that. The music is planted a little bit earlier when the Boy Scouts, just before he gets his knob gobble, <laughs> <laughs> he plays the harmonica and uh, he suddenly charms Sylvia for a brief moment. So the audience knows that it's there, and then it comes out later in a, quite a misogynistic way of like, yeah. my dad used to play this like sexy Middle, m- <laughs> middle Eastern music to like get the girls to belly dancing yeah. with big bunny ears. Oh, of course. That just made me think of the, the butler in this film. What a delightful he guy. was actually my favorite person in this film. Stratford Johns, you, you're referring to Stratford Johns, yes? I'm, I might be. Yes. If memory serves. Yeah. He pushed the envelope in terms of the style. Yes. Like whenever he spoke, there was no confusion around that this was not your everyday, ordinary naturalism movie. The yeah. Realism yeah. had no place here. Oh, no. I quite enjoyed Hugh Grant's detached apathy mm. that he yeah. displayed throughout the film. And it's interesting because Hugh Grant has publicly stated that he does not like this film. And hmm. he does not wish to speak um, about it. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. difficult to see why. Although, he should be happy to have worked with a director of, of Ken Russell's stature. I found a, a big theme in this film is the oppression of the Scotsman by the English aristocracy. Yeah, yeah mm. absolutely. The oppression of almost everything by the English aristocracy. That The kind of prudish English culture, mm-hmm. the denial of of sex and the denial of the kind of 80s era female power and Mm -hmm. there's a a time there's a point where Hugh Grant's character is looking on the on the wall at these frescoes or at these cave paintings and he sees a breasted figure with a big phallus and he Mm -hmm. lovingly strokes the light of his torch along the phallus and goes uh, there was women's lib back then even yeah which is a very confusing statement <laughs> because for, for him obviously w- women's liberation and 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 power means that she has a cock which makes yes. him a man he is very, is very cock obsessed though this film is very cock obsessed. this film Absolutely. is like there are cocks wherever you look the references to cocks they're like yeah. pool noodles you, you someone will just be <laughs> in a scene and it'll be in a field and then there'll be a cutaway and suddenly there's like a a creepy crawly vine that's wrapping around them for no reason <laughs> yeah. just because it looks like a like a white phallus yeah. yeah it's pretty interesting it's not just like eroticism for eroticism sex it's also very kind of mystical and esoteric mm. Mm. there's and all the like sex stuff there's this element of Blasphemy. Mm. Blasphemy, but also of this sort of almost sublime religious experience. Yeah, it's always held in contrast to kind of um, Calvinistic or or just Puritanic yeah. or Christian. Those images are, are like, they make no bones about being obvious about yeah. how there are two sides to this coin. 
either the kind of pure religious Christian side or this weird satanic sexy sex side. god side. Personally, I like the second one. <laughs> <laughs> I like a little bit of both, um, actually. Uh, and if you if you do, you I should guess. watch uh, The Devils. Another Harris's brilliant Russell movie. movie. Really? Which is wall to wall nun orgy. Really? Yeah. There's a no, there's great. a scene where a nun has sex with the crucified Jesus. Wow. Yeah, and uh, there's a there's a Which, qu- quite remarkable scene in this one where the this a giant snake god is wrapped around poor JC and like nibbling on his arms while a yeah, whole shame. bunch of nuns. of nuns are raped by Romans. It's like it's horrifying. <laughs> and also that part is it's shot so flatly and it's clearly on a sound stage and yeah. the background is this awful like pastel. Yeah. Thing. It's actually and it's, reminiscent it's, of earlier forms. Yeah, it's actually like how the kitschness of it and the horror of it interact in that mm. scene. Yeah, it reminds me like, by the kitschness of yeah. it. It, it reminded me of uh, Caligula, huh. actually. Oh, yeah. The only film ever produced by Penn's House, the magazine. <laughs> really? Yeah, The Mad Fiddler. <laughs> but, um, okay, getting off track. Can I also just point out at the moment that... The layer of the white worms sounds like a euphemism for a Caucasian man's trouser zipper. Yes. I mean, like right or from the get-go. Or, or a vagine, straight away. Yeah. I mean, we know we talk, we're going to be looking at white, white dudes' cocks. Yeah. That's the idea. I mean, this is just phallus worship. That's what that whole cult's about, worship in the phallus. Yep. Weird. Okay, so how do we get into this unbelievable shitstorm of a scene? We see Lady Sylvia go up to a cross and... Cotch spit on it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Spray this brown... I think it's her venom, I guess. Yeah, it's like her venom that she's spraying on the cross. Venom slash, if we're staying with sexual, like her face ejaculate. (laughs) Which is two words that should never go together. (laughs) But it definitely definitely has reminiscences uh, um, of that. Yeah. So she cotches onto the cross. Eve comes up, touches the cross, and is instantly transported to what we just discussed full on full on trigger warning if you have a weak stomach or if you don't like that kind of stuff and no one should yeah but uh, if you're easily upset by that kind of stuff it upset me and I I consider myself to have a steely constitution and uh, and it also comes out of nowhere yeah it's like the movie is so slow and dull and then suddenly you're just hit with this vision the movie is very aggressive, flashback. and I think that links to the kind of con- the the uh, the content of the work that they're juxtaposing English country life and the kind of civility of it, and the kind of puritanical purity of it, and then this darker underside, the twisted yeah. animal snake sex phallus side. I mean, the snake literally lives under the town mm. in the in the underground caverns, totally, in the and comes up in the uh, like penultimate scene in the ultimate scene. Through a giant green vagina. <laughs> <laughs> Again, the the symbolism is pretty direct. What is Lady Sylvia? What is she? I mean, she's a um, vampire. Well, I don't think actually they are vampires. They're just serpents. The, the, they do bandy about the term vampire a little bit in the movie. Do they? They do. Yeah. They say vampire once or twice. But because the really, they're like just snake people. Wear snakes. Wear snakes. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. That makes more sense. Yeah. I, I'll accept it. Did you guys know that this film had an estimated budget of two and a half million dollars, and it only made one point eight million dollars in the US? One point one eight. Where did they? Oh, one point one eight. Money. It bombed. Well, uh, Ken Russell made this with Warner Brothers as a deal after he made Gothic. Uh. I said, "We love this stuff that you do." right now this horror kind of Victorian-y thing give us more and he was like oh no well actually I wanted to do a prequel to my first movie yeah Woman in Love um, mm. The Rainbow well not his first movie I guess but yeah. and so they said well if you give us another horror film we'll let you do the, mm. the whatever whatever the, the hell stuff. you want <laughs> <laughs> apparently it turned out to be a really bad deal for for Warner Brothers yeah, yeah. yeah. look I mean it's uh what it didn't recoup in 
financial gain, it's certainly recouped in, I don't know, something else. Longevity. <laughs> I mean, we watched the movie. Um, it yeah. still has an audience to today. And th- this true. is like 30 years later. And I found it kind of compelling and yeah. nauseating at the same time. Absolutely. It was definitely a bit of a thrill ride. I, but I thoroughly enjoyed this film. This is yeah. amazing. I keep finding um, these amazing films while doing this podcast. Yeah, it's really cool to see Ken Russell just kind of do whatever. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, <let laughs> I feel that leash. it's such a like raw and wild sort of thing experience yeah. yeah it feels like someone someone took the leash off him and just l- let him go so and also but w- you know with a really great sense of humor throughout as well yeah you know sometimes like undercutting a serious moment or um, with some spotted dick <laughs> with this, some spotted dick or there's a there's a hell of a lot of innuendo and uh, double entendre yeah of course there's a yes. lot of that stuff a lot of snake puns oh, oh yeah. just yeah, yeah. so many snake puns slither on in <laughs> One of my favorites is uh, Hugh Grant saying about Angus, I love Mr. Flint's hole. It's rather fascinating. <laughs> he's, and he's, of course, <laughs> talking about his excavation. Or is he? Or is he? Yeah. There's a hell of a lot of that. He is just uh, the ultimate playboy lord. Yeah. He's going yeah. wherever his fancy takes him. Mm. Apparently, Ken Russell made this film partly as a tribute to Oscar Wilde. Oh, that's very obvious. Yeah, especially in the scene where uh, Lady Sylvia quotes the importance of being earnest. The what parent it? deal. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. Parent, to I, lose one parent is a tragedy. To lose two parents is an... Can be seen as carelessness yeah. or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a and good line. <laughs> and Damton reacts as like, you do realize that she literally lost both her parents, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I was just kidding. That's an awkward a good moment. line. That's a good example um, of how... How this this wild sexual, crazy, untamable force infringes on the kind of aristocratic, well-to-do, yeah. agreed-upon way of so socializing, and she don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, she, she just she just <laughs> wants to bite some dicks and Summon worship a snake god, Dionin, and do some sexy dances. Yeah, and who's to sacrifice some virgins? Totally. I mean, she p- should be stopped from doing that. Yeah, it's, um, that's a crime. Her obsession with virgins is reminiscent of Countess Elizabeth Bathory mm-hmm. in actual history, yeah. who was the Countess of Blood and used to bathe in the blood of a hundred virgins. To make her keep herself youthful looking. Yes. Yeah, and back to Hugh Grant, because we kind of brushed over the fact that Hugh Grant, who's... Oh, yeah. He's kind of an Hugh A-lister. Grant's, I guess no. he's a big deal. He's Not a big anymore. deal. I mean, not yeah. since Love Actually, not yeah. since Divine Brown, but oh, yeah. since, <laughs> since the Divine Brown debacle, maybe not so. But even after Divine <laughs> Brown, he had some. <laughs> can, <laughs> I was like, can we make a remake of Love Actually? And then Divine comma Brown. <laughs> <laughs> you can do that. Yes. I also hope you have a bunch of lawyers. You do have a bunch of lawyers that listen to this podcast before. Yeah, no, happen. we have a big, big audience. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cult, cult-like following. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Just, just to screen us to make sure we don't get sued for millions. Please. But, but <laughs> I also, it's the first time I've seen Hugh Grant perform act where he hasn't been compulsively blinking eighty percent. And there's one moment in the middle of the film where he, he has a line like, we've got to go, and he blinks four times in that, which doesn't sound like a lot, but if you if you try it at we've home, if you go. go, we've got to go and try and put four <laughs> blinks into that, it's kind of a mission. Yeah, it and takes a while. He's, he, he became one of the blinkiest actors ever. It, it, <laughs> it often feels like his brain is trying to like Morse code secret messages to the audience. But I thought it was, he was compelling to watch. He's like, yeah. as I was saying earlier, he is... I, I want to hate him, but I can't because he's too fucking charming. Yeah. Yeah, God damn it. He just plays the lovable asshole mm. and everyone just wants a piece of him. Yeah, yeah. myself included. And I, uh, this is also something we were saying earlier, but the way that he clearly is not taking this role super seriously is is also sort of a reflection of the way that the film is not taking itself too seriously. Yeah. It's serious about not being taken seriously. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. I found it very funny in the scene where Angus Flint shows up at Temple House in a kilt with yeah. bagpipes He's and starts charming <laughs> Snake Cop. Snake Cop. Yeah, and I just I found it's it very good. funny that the imagery was that a Scotch a Scotsman 
with bagpipes is greater than those bloody English serpents. Yeah. <laughs> That's really great. I love the fact that Angus, again, an archaeology student in the 80s, would pack his kilt yeah. and his little pouch and Very his patriotic. bags. Scots are, are pretty, like, committed to that yeah. stuff. Yeah. I guess... You never know when you need like, to go formal. Exactly. Yeah. And you never know when you need a big flute. Exactly. Um, to so charm... Some snake Apparently legs. the bagpipes are the world's most difficult instrument to learn. Really? Yeah. I can imagine. Sounds maybe that explains why they all sound terrible. Because <laughs> no one has learned to play them correctly yet. Everyone's still practicing. And also about the that Scottish uh the kilt and the bagpipes. It seems like where there's a kind of what is it called when you chop off someone's that you kind of desex someone? Vivisection. Emasculation. There's a kind of emasculation about the kind of British like upper class culture. Yes. Whereas when the Scots guy like puts Don's his kilt and becomes super masculine, he yeah. he saves the day and he kind of and I also want to say that this this like sexual imagery abounds. The the sex lady steals the kind of image of a penis and she has this giant terrifying horn strap on that she kind of aggravates everyone with but she's (laughs) the final image and the way that they kill the thing and spoilers block your ears if you don't want to hear is our our buddy Angus drops under his kilt where his gonad should be (laughs) and pulls out a very gonad shaped grenade and drops that into the where did he even get the grenade dude it doesn't (laughs) matter it's symbology it's part of the Scottish traditional dress they can take our cocks but they'll never take our gonads basically our grenade balls yeah yeah that cannot have been a mistake that she two seconds ago she has this giant cock and then he reaches below his kilt and the the saving grace is is his grenade I feel like we're all forgetting about the most important scene that Angus is in. The scene where he's sitting on the stairs and he pulls a mongoose out of his ass. Oh, yeah. He... (gasps) Where was the mongoose? Fucking mongoose. And it's alive. So that's also... Okay, so he's walking around playing his (laughs) sweet bagpipe riff. Mm. With Um, a grenade in his crotch. And then he stops... And he sits out on the stairs in Temple House, in the Snake Lady's house, pulls out an injection, injects himself. And I thought, okay, maybe insulin. We haven't established that is diabetic or anything. But yeah, we don't know what. what it is. Might be heroin. Um, you know, might be H. Might just have you know. to take a nap. And mm. then he kind of hears something and he pulls out a fucking mongoose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yes, mongoose, go find the snakes. And it dies. And it does. It, well... It Snake almost, lady finds it. She kills it. She kills the mongoose. I mean, what was he thinking? Was he like, oh, I'm going to flush you out with this tiny mongoose, <laughs> giant snake woman. Well, they are nature's worst enemies, aren't they? There's some logic in there. Somewhere. They do establish think- in the film also. But that's also a thing in the film. Every image I picked up was then immediately established in, in the dialogue. Yeah. You know, they like, talk about the symbolism of Look, you are, if you're looking for subtlety, you are at the wrong place. Yeah. Then go to Remains of the Day. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they see a mongoose and a snake little like they're stuffed sorry, taxidermy like type of type of thing and isn't there like a plaque that says nature's worst enemies no, or no, something? someone someone ah, just knows a it. mongoose snakes worst enemy angus and james are full to the brim with snake s- knowledge snake knowledge and the pseudoscientific sort of intellectualism you know, they try and yeah. analyze everything and they're sort of in char- yeah. large and in charge. In stark contrast to even Mary, who are slightly bumbling, who are ditzy, who are like naive and young and in constant need of rescuing yeah. and saving. And always like hysterical. Always hysterical and disbelieving of the facts. And they really need to be guided by these two tosses. So actually, <laughs> that one, brings up an interesting sexist. angle, it's, though. It's really totally deeply sexist. I mean, yeah. and I think that's what's quite interesting about the movie is it it doesn't feel like there is uh, the themes are clear. Mm-hmm. It seems like they've thrown a whole bunch of ideas and symbolism mm-hmm. symbols into a mixer, and then a movie kind of came out. Yes. So so that you you think you're onto something. You're like, oh, it's about um, a male rape and fear of male rape. No, it's not about that. It's about this. No, it's about penis envy. No, it's a so yeah. it's constantly throwing ideas at you. It's a very sexually aggressive film. Totally terrifyingly so. 
this episode potentially sponsored by your brand. Sponsor us. Give us your money. Help us stay independent and free. Thank Although, you. Although, technically, if someone were to advertise with us, we we're would no longer be independent and free. Independent of the big companies. Big podcasts. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you and good night. We first thought they were the it's the Christians and the pagans sort of battling it out. But now we actually have this third faction, James and Angus, representing science and apparently logical, rational thinking. Yeah. Where Mary and Eve are quite clearly our biblical Christian references. Mm-hmm. The snake lady the serpent of paganism and then you've got the two scientific guys who sort shit out so maybe this is pro uh, secularism if it's pro anything I think that's a part of like the sort of sexist makeup of this film that the men are these completely rational and like oh yes the the immortal snake woman (laughs) will gas her out yeah it's the it's the sort of British imperial stance that they have of mm. w- rationality will fix this problem <laughs> yeah um, so calm down you hysterical woman and so when in the end it was really a testicle grenade that like yeah. solved the day a Scottish testicle grenade yeah it's interesting though because in this film the white males are sort of what backwards white males think they are you know yeah. it's this like crazy rationalism and this the cool calm and collected leader sorting out every situation as they get into it yeah. and that's not I mean historically that's not what happened definitely not and I just want to push back against the idea that it might be misogynistic because I mean it obviously is I mean it's the <laughs> yes. most deeply misogynistic movie <laughs> of all time or certainly up well. there but there is a, a certainly the white guys don't win because of their reliance on rationality and like I'll sort this out with medical science and I know the injection of the thing but they think they're on top and then in the end we're left with the idea that they again spoiler yeah. alert plug your ears that they're going to eat each other and That's there's a potential sex. homoerotic scene that has been yes. waiting to happen a whole movie <laughs> yeah. it's just it's after credits roll yeah. which is cheats us as an audience um, we want to see that's that also support. something hilarious that happens that undercuts as you say this idea of the the rational individual winning is that Angus has some snake venom antidote made up in the lab which is what he injects on the stairs and then at the very end the hospital phones him and they're like oh we accidentally gave you uh, arthritis, arthritis medication. <laughs> <laughs> so we've still got your your snake poison cure. You can just come in tomorrow morning or whatever. Yeah. But by then, well, I guess as soon as he realizes he isn't cured, he becomes evil. Yeah, yeah he's instantly <laughs> yeah, flipped yeah, yeah. because he's sort of the hero even after he wakes up from the paralysis of the snake venom. Yeah. So technically yeah. by then he is a snampire. He Wait, then please. just goes on to kill Dionan, his potentially his new god and then you know runs off with James Dampton for some snuggles in the closet totally and then I mean decides Mm. to bite him after one phone call with a lab technician yeah yeah I mean I suppose to speak again and to uh backtrack a little bit about the inherent misogyny in the movie mm. it their plan was was pretty solid these two white kind of europeans plan was like on board and their rationality would save the day if not for the woman lab technician <laughs> he like gave them the wrong message so i i've retracted yeah. everything that i've said it is like a terrifyingly misogynistic piece of chauvinist bullshit but very but I, there is yeah. also a sense in which men can't experience that sort of religious passion that yes, Mary like, and Eve and, and Sylvia go through as the brides that, of that their... ecstatic uh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the ecstatic revelation Fanaticism. but often that kind of uh, emerges or the symptom of that ecstatic sexual power heightened uh, state of being ends up with a strap on on top of it <laughs> it ends up in a very kind of masculine expression of sexuality they go yeah. oh no I'm sexy and doing stuff that men can never experience and here's the kind of the female mystical and now I've got a Big, big dick. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like the and I'm blue. Eve's second vision when Sylvia spits right in her face. Oh man. Is this really strange? It looks like those music those, those like DIY music video cubes. Yeah. Where they just have bad green screen playing in yeah. the background. Yeah. But it's it's Lady Sylvia licking 
a bloody strap on that's spike. same that's very wow. same and spike that thing features with, a lot with a background of impaled naked nuns yeah and uh, a, a cross kind of powerpoint transitioning <laughs> yeah true and th- that's still not the worst of them the penis snake men that run out of her mouth and pierce the abdomen of uh, of one of the other characters is is probably the low point in the film <laughs> The, the snake cocks that eat through the body of the uh, one character. It's, still, it's in a dream sequence. So it's oh, right. They get a lot of like gratuitous license from putting stuff in dream sequences. Yeah. But you, it scarred my psyche a little bit. So I think these snake vampires, this bit must be filled with DMT because those are some powerful hallucinations. Mm. Yeah, that's some real... So that's probably... Part of how they get you is they confuse you with this shot of DMT and you're like tripping in another dimension. I like and the way that you're looking into the science of the film, of the film called yeah. Lair of the White Worm. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I want to know. I want to know how it everything. Happened. I'm like Batman. How I need to know how to defeat how these does things. the immortal snake lady. I need to mm. condition my body against DMT now <laughs> so that I can do battle you're, with the snake lady. You're just like Danton. I'm. J- oh, damn it. <laughs> so this film is loosely based on the Bram Stoker novel Lair of the White Worm, which is loosely based on the folklore from northeast England in the county of Durham, the Lambton Worm. Famously, the Lambton Worm was this sort of f- familial curse placed on John Dam uh not John Dampton, John Lambton. See how they switched it around so oh. that they weren't stepping on any toes. So John Lambton skipped church on one Sunday. Then he went to catch some fish. Didn't catch anything. Ended up catching a tiny little white worm. Chucks it into the well because he's like, this ain't no worm I'm having. Decides to repent for missing church that one time. Goes to the Crusades, as one does. Seven years later, he returns to his town being ravaged by this giant white Worm and worm in this case referring to dragon. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So he then decides that it it's his duty to slay this this dragon because he's a knight and he's just come back from the crusades. He consults a witch. He gets the, the advice to put a lot of uh, spear tips on his armor and then just go face the worm in in the river. So he does that. The dragon is like, yeah, I'm gonna squeeze you. Decides to squeeze him, cuts himself up. So John Lambton does nothing. He's just standing there. He's just a pincushion. The worm gets. And that's also a very stupid snake. I just want to say that the worm. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it doesn't go like try and circle him and then go. Ow! I'm gonna stop. It carries on until it's cut into bits and then goes. Oh, in retrospect, <laughs> that was a bad idea. Yeah, I'm just assuming that it's a very quick constrictor. It's like. Whoosh. Oh, I see. Very, I see. very s- snap tight <laughs> with really bad eyesight as well. Yeah. This dragon was said to curl itself around one of the local hills seven times. Wow. So it was also quite large. So I feel even with the little spikes, John Lambton would have died. Are you saying that this is not a true story? Um, is that your it's reportedly It's reportedly a true story. Okay. In oral tradition and pantomime. Pantomime, that's where I get all my news. <laughs> yeah, that's, isn't that just the history? I thought Peter Pan's real, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a nice parable, the idea of catching something, discarding this tiny little thing, leaving and coming back, and this problem has turned into a giant, like, clusterfuckery. Mm-hmm. Um, and the movie doesn't really reflect that at all. It's basically just about dildos. Yeah. I was wondering whether this film is perhaps a, a reflection on, on the Thatcher year. Sure. You know, you've got this sexy, charismatic female leader. <laughs> <laughs> are you saying, Dude, are you saying you. that Margaret Thatcher, the Iron Lady, was sexy and charismatic? Yeah. Totally. That's what I'm saying. So totally. She was powerful. You know, you know like Maggie was rocking those mom. I mean, thigh like, high leather boots. Totally. Yeah. Sleeping in baskets? Sleeping in... (laughs) 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 She'd be a hothead mistress, let's be honest. Yeah, but I'm also pretty sure she's into uh, sadism. Yeah, who isn't? Oh, me? Masochists. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Yeah, Uh, I mean, uh, that... uh, I mean, again, to go back to the... uh, 
to those themes of the kind of polite prudish culture and then this yeah. kind of weird dark underbelly of sexual things and I was saying to you guys earlier there's this there's this moment where the snake woman snake grandmother has leapt through a window and uh, Dampton has chopped her and t- cleft her and twain with his sword taking up the up family blade yeah <laughs> he picks up the phone and he's talking and it's in the middle of an action sequence and they're describing each other and he says I uh, I think we probably have another reptile loose on the premises <laughs> which when I heard it I was like that is the British equivalent of Samuel Jackson saying I've had it with these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane it's like they are the b- b- <laughs> like that is the, how the English say there are snakes on the plane there's m- possibly a, maybe I've thought uh, a chance of there being a reptile on yeah, the premises if it doesn't too much bother <laughs> yeah. I don't want to make a fuss about it <laughs> yeah so there's something quite satisfying about seeing how, like a, a early '80s uh, British action action sequence plays out. True. We we haven't talked about the lesbian wrestling and the the uh, red. That's pen. also another excellent. I was dream avoiding sequence. that one. Yo. Dampton's own dream sequence. Dampton's yeah. dream sequence is is. It start. It's very Freudian, right? It starts with him entering a cave this dark tunnel yeah, yeah. then he emerges way. into the lights and he's getting onto this a private very jet phallic private jet mm-hmm, mm-hmm. very thin very pointy pencil even mm-hmm. he gets up onto the plane gets in he's wearing like the pilot's outfit or something and he just sits uh, down and someone hands him a newspaper and then he's doing a crossword but he's just drawing a shape snake. of a snake I love the way the, the negative kind of the, the backdrop of the crossword you can the audience can see that it's a snake yeah. but he's filling in the snake and the music the synths are building the synths are building and then once he finally finishes the <laughs> snake the synths go dun, dun, tiny crash zoom <laughs> yeah. dudes we saw it with a snake before he touched the paper <laughs> and that's also when he realizes that oh shit there's there a, a snake, snake on this plane. Oh, <laughs> there might be a serpent on the premises. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, pilot. I'm sorry, buddy. I think there might be a reptile on your aircraft. Pilot turns around and it's just James Dampton himself. <laughs> that was terrifying. That and didn't happen in the film, though. That was so. Just the the girl's parents are tied up, immobilized on, on the plane. Mm. in his dream and then he gets up and then he goes into a cave oh wait First he the, enters the a cave to get into the plane r- wrestle yeah one Mary who's dressed as a, a, a hostess and lo- Lady Sylvia also and they do this kind of erotic uh, wrestling match in the aisle and uh, old Dick Bush the cinematographer in one of his trademarked slow pans <laughs> pans off of these girls doing this erotic entangly fight onto Hugh Grant, who is sitting there with this the very same red pen that he used to uh, explain to the audience that there's a snake on the crossword, and he's holding it not unlike a phallus in between his legs. And there's no mistaking this. It is a one-shot extreme close-up of a pen hanging between his legs, and then he subtly moves it up as if he is aroused. He is engorged. Sure. Too messy. That sort of imagery shows us that he is um, sexually conflicted between Eve, his girlfriend, and Lady Sylvia, this sexy Margaret Thatcher type character. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna disagree (laughs) with you that he was probably getting a boner because he saw two chicks making out. Yeah, and then he does sort of. There's a scene after that where he just sees two legs with stockings sticking out the aisles of the plane. Yeah, and then he notices the ring on the hand of one of the associated hand of one of the legs, and it's the ring of Eve. And he moves towards her and then exits the plane, mm-hmm. which sort of his final decision to go with the moral Eve versus. Snake Lady. Mm. Yeah. So if you guys had to rate this film out of 12 phallici, fal- phallices? Phalli. Fal- phalli. Phalli. Rated out of 12 phalli. Wh- how many out of 12 phalli do you phalli this phalli? Sure. I'd give it a 
solid nine and a half phalluses. Out of 12? Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. It's a lot of phalli. Yeah. You know what? I'll, I'll just add that extra little chubby and, and take it to <laughs> 10. No half measures. But not to kind of be misleading, there are some there are some flaccid parts to this film. It's not all erection. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. There are some underwhelming moments where it feels like being dry humped by a very... English wooden mannequin. Mm, totally. There are, there are some scenes that are bereft. A phalli. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And that's... Uh, and then you, you kind of want uh, uh, some more phalli. And then when the movie gives it to you, you do not want the phalli. <laughs> yeah. oh, like, I, I wish... I want to go back to being dry humped by an English wooden mannequin. <laughs> I would give this film eight phalli. <gasps> okay. You it's were the most positive about this. That's, you watched this twice, hey? Yeah. Usually yeah, yeah, he no. rates much higher than I do. Yeah. This film was sexy and it was uncomfortable and it was chock full of imagery but just the fact that they had to point everything out and I realize it's sort of a horror comedy because that's the British can't be truly scared they are <laughs> far too charming but yeah I, I but I, I, uh, on that point I, I think that matched the uh, the that was a kind of stylistic choice that matched the content that they mm, were yeah. going we're not hiding anything this is about a culture of kind of repression and and hiding your innermost animalistic snaky dildery <laughs> feelings uh, and this is a, this movie we're not going to do that yeah. we're going to portray that stuff but we're just going to speak the imagery speak our subtext yeah, as it comes into our heads okay I'll th- I don't want to I don't want to I'll throw, throw, I'll throw <laughs> one I mean, more phallus on the pile yeah. I'm okay. throwing one more phallus okay. on the pile feels, I feel like we, we're building like a like a like a Pyre of phallus. We're making a little fire phallus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah, so that was Be Positive. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you in two weeks. You stay scary. Spoop time. Again? I'm I'm trying to... (laughs) I love you. (laughs) That should be your call off sign. This episode, music, brought to you by Bad Dog No Biscuit. Thanks, Dan. It's a pleasure. I don't know if we have the rights to that name, though.